0: Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to episode 69, Minnesota. Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And is it the land o lakes as well, where the butter's land from? Land o lakes, I believe so. Yeah, okay. And well, tonight Kirby Puckett, we Well, we ain't talking about butter tonight. Well, okay, Prince is great. Yeah, <laughs> Prince is pretty good. Okay. Uh, we ain't talking about butter or Prince, so tonight we are discussing the Lake Pepin Serpent. Yes, sir. Which I have never heard of, so I'm excited to Neither hear story. have I, until I dug it up. And then we're going to get into the creepy yet kind of funny, sad, pathetic tale of Paul Michael Stefani, also known as the weepy voiced killer. The weepy voiced killer. You'll see why. When we never heard that. of him
1: either, but I am definitely interested to hear that
0: story. Yeah, it's going to be creepy and funny all at the same time. Uh, but in case you're wondering who the hell we are... Uh, that man with the sultry voice that's james what's up folks and i'm chris and uh that's the intro so before we get started though (laughs) (laughs) uh just reminder we have a patreon go check it out we have a buy me a coffee go check it out all of our links can be found on our twitter which we have a twitter facebook instagram yes we do we have a youtube page uh, but all of our links can be found on there. Go to, there's like a link tree. Go there. You can find our Patreon. You can find where we can listen to us. You can find our webpage. You can find our Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, any amount you give, even a dollar, helps us out tremendously. Indeed it does. And we appreciate it. And yes, with that, sir. let's get into the serpent, dude.
1: Why not, my brother? Okay, road warriors. Minnesota might be known as the land of 10,000 lakes, but today's point of interest focuses on just one of these beautiful bodies of water. Let us take a ride to the small town of Lake City, Minnesota, which is bordered on one side by Wisconsin. So it's almost, (laughs) it, it qualifies. It's still in Minnesota, but it does qualify. Yes, it does. There you will find Lake Pepin. It is an offshoot part of the Mississippi River and has a maximum depth of around 60 feet. It is over 22 miles long and about two miles wide. And in it lurks a serpent creature known as Pepe, North America's own Loch Ness Monster, if you will. Now all the legends, of course, have their origin, and this one dates back to the Native American mound builders who lived along the river from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to the river source in Minnesota. This is according to Chad Lewis, who authored the book titled "Peppy: the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River.
0: Peppy a fun name. I like Peppy. Yes, I
1: do. And I title and I did that name right. The, the book is actually called Peppy, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi. It oh, doesn't okay. actually say a river, but I threw that in. Okay, I don't think
0: that, that, that that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Let's go. Just go. Yeah.
1: He has authored 17 other books on weird and unexplained things, but Peppy is a unique story because the monster actually has a bounty on its head, which I found interesting. Uh, how much? <laughs> I'll get to that. Hey,
0: hurry to fuck up.
1: <laughs> no, they don't want it dead, you know, so don't think that's what they're trying to do. They just want solid proof of its existence. And, you know, as should anybody. You know, everybody wants solid proof of anything.
0: So, like a stool sample or something? That is correct.
1: Oh, cool. And they are willing to pay $50,000 if you can come up with solid evidence that proves this thing actually exists.
0: I'm about to get a bucket. I'm about to drop some deuces. I'm about to get some fish deuces. I'm about to get some turtle deuces. Mix that shit up. Submit it. $50,000. I'm rich.
1: So, yep. We got this mutant clam turtle fish thing, you know. Oh, and it's it's got part human DNA. Oh, my God. It's a new species. That's right. The reward, so to say, is offered up by a local businessman named Larry Nielsen. And although it is widely regarded as a tourism stunt, Mm which was my first impression. Mm, Um, But to this day, the reward is actually still on the table. In case you need a description of the suspect, supposed sightings put the creature anywhere from as little as 16 to 17 feet to as much as 100 to 150 feet long. So there have been a variety of sizes and creatures spotted.
0: Now, did you mention the the dimensions of the lake? Yes, I did. What were they? I missed them. 60 foot deep. Okay and it's about
1: two it's about 22 miles long okay. and 2 miles wide so it could, it could probably. 60 feet deep. If you find a 100-foot monster, you should be able to find him in there.
0: Yeah, because that's, I mean, now, yeah. Part
1: of the lake does butt Mississippi. So, okay. But tales of river monsters have been going on for, you know, centuries anyway along the Mississippi.
0: So How, what, What's the height of the monster, did it say? It didn't really give a height. Hmm. So it, kind if it, of. If, it, if it's more eel-like, then you probably won't see it even in 60-foot water. But if it's more like exactly. like plesiosaur-like, you might see the hump. I don't know. Now, I did get to that point. Okay.
1: Now, with similar features to Loch Ness Monster, except I believe it is more snake-like than dinosaur by the descriptions. Now, while the lake itself is only 60 feet deep, it is also partially tied to the river, which may prove difficult when trying to corner Peppy. Although I did read of some instances of the creature puncturing canoes of Native Americans way back in the day, forcing them to make even more stout boats. You're going to need a bigger boat. I couldn't help that. (laughs) had to say it. Nice. She is said to be harmless and sometimes playful, as if to say, come and catch me. They even have festivals to honor their local sea monster, and I am sure bolster a little local business. You know, of course they're going to do that. Now, Nielsen, the owner of the 125-passenger paddlewheel boat Pearl of the Lake, and the president of the Lake City Tourism Bureau, eh, red flag, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, said he didn't know the water serpent existed until he saw the creature a few years back.
0: Uh-huh, sure, buddy.
1: As to be quoted, one night, my wife and I were out on Lake Pepin, and there were no other boats out there with us. All of a sudden, I saw a big wake out there against the current. It was about 100 feet long and a foot and a half high. This is the wake itself. So there's that still doesn't describe how tall the monster is, but still. Right, right. So I started doing some research, and that's when I heard about Peppy. We've had about seven or eight formal expeditions to try and find it, he said. I get a ton of calls about now throughout the summer from people who say they've seen it. When I first brought this up, one lady was concerned that talking about Peppy publicly would scare all the kids and that no one would want to go in the water. No. But then I went down to the lake, and there were kids yelling into the water for Peppy <laughs> to come out and play. Of course. So, hey, great. You know, I don't like to doubt people in small towns trying to brag on their geographical or biological treasures, you know. But I just wondered, why is it that Pepe is known all the way back to the Dakota Indians, all the way up to current times, and, you know, even local tourists. But alas, Mr. Nielsen just heard about it in recent years and is now offering 50 G's to drop the dime on this serpent. Yeah. <laughs> and not to be negative, of course, because sometimes we get comments that we dismiss things and stuff like that. But it's not true. We're just cautiously optimistic when it comes to creatures like this. So, you know, there is a time when I stopped taking the locals' word for it, not dismissing the legend, of course, nor his word per se, but I, but thinking I would rather see for myself. I mean, they claim people see it all the time and every year, so I would like to look for, you know, I'd like to look for myself. I'm sure everybody else would, right? Yeah, oh yeah. 50, 50 G's? Hell yeah. Yeah, that would be a hell of a lot more fun than, you know, and might, you might bag a large uh, payday in the process. Hell yeah. Well, Chad Lewis was surely inspired when he wrote his book, Here is a small excerpt. I know there's more things in the universe that we don't know about than we do, he said. When we find out something and we think we know it all, we find out we don't, which is a common human flaw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For God's sakes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Lewis, who conducted his own investigation into Pepe back in 2013, said he thinks the reward has awakened something in people. Yeah, they want to get paid. I would. Yeah, hell yeah! It has been seven years since the reward for Peppy was first issued, and I ha- and I never could have imagined that such a novel idea would all but resurrect an almost forgotten legend. Which is cool. It means he dug it up out of somewhere, and he created this. Now they got tourism. That's again. right. Now, now he yeah.
0: has the money to pay that bounty when somebody finds the exactly. proof. Exactly.
1: Now, Lewis wrote in his book, quote, "I take comfort in knowing that after hundreds of years of sightings." the Lake Pepin Water Serpent remains just as intriguing and puzzling as it did when the first native people encountered it. I sincerely hope that no matter what happens, Peppy continues to keep the people on the shores of Lake Pepin on their toes. And not out of the water, I don't
0: No. Get in the water, St. Jaws. <laughs> now
1: is the time, as always, road warriors, when you have to ask yourself, is it real or is this just a concocted idea of a local businessman just riding the back of the legend, To make a few bucks. I get it, and I am not being critical. Hell, I would love to go and see for myself, and we will do just that when I am in the area. Nielsen sure believes it, so I think I might go and try to score that 50 grand myself. How about you guys? Hell yeah. What do you think, bro? yeah. Yeah. Now, one last note. Unlike some of the previous creatures I have spoken of, Nielsen and Lewis both said they received photos from people showing strange figures, And some did show up online when I looked for it because I did research. I always try to see if I can find a picture. Yeah. And I saw some pictures. Nice. Now, some were fakie looking, but there were some that were questionable shadows and stuff. And it was actually pretty cool. So you can go look for yourself. Cool. But you have to be objective, of course, when reviewing any photos or videos. It does not devalue them to do so. And it is also good not to just believe everything you see without research. But, hey, you know, this is a start. A hell of a lot of other things we have talked about and never had any photos. So, you know, you go, Peppy. I hope you <laughs> are real, brother.
0: Cool, so, man.
1: But, yeah, I, I I think that would be a, an interesting thing because, like I said, the, the sea monster tale of the Mississippi River is not uncommon. It goes back to old riverboat days and everything. They've always seen, they've seen these large things in the water. A lot of people think they're big sturgeon fish, you know, 100, you know, couple hundred pound you know 10 20 30 feet long big ass fish
0: that's a big ass fish man yes it is god bless it is man well, that's cool i thought i had heard about all the uh united states lake monsters so that's a new yeah. one on me man it's yeah. cool i
1: i never heard of peppy
0: i never heard of peppy either but i <laughs> love peppy i like peppy too and peppy gonna make me 50 50 uh $50,000 dollars Might would have to
1: be part of our tour <laughs>
0: It might have to be an extended part of our tour so we can try and get some sort of... Try to get paid,
1: get some gas money so we can get home.
0: (laughs) Pay for that RV we want to get. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, that was cool. Why don't we uh, take a break and we'll get back with uh, the Weepy Voice Killer. huh? sounds good to me. Stefani was an American serial killer who operated from 1980 to 1982. So, very very short time frame. Not much of a serial killer. He killed three and seriously wounded two women. Uh, He was known as the Weepy Voice Killer for a series of 911 calls he made during his run, in which he was heard hysterically crying and apologizing for what he had done. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's run through his victims. That's kind of how. That's kind of the assumption I was making. I was just waiting for you to. To, uh, to confirm it. Confirm that yeah. information. Yes, sir. So the first victim was Karen Potak. Um, on December 31st, 1980, beaten with a tire iron. Um, she survived.
1: Holy crap.
0: The second victim was Kimberly Compton, 18. Uh, July 3rd, 1981, stabbed 61 times with an ice pick and strangled with a shoelace. Did not survive. 61, 61 times? 61 times. Holy mackerel. Uh, number three was Catherine, uh, Kathleen Greening. Uh, July 21st, 1982, she was drowned in her bathtub. That would not come um, to know, to be known until after he was caught. Because um, as, as you see so far, the first three victims all have different motives. Yeah. You know, with tired, no beaten, stabbing, and drowning. So they had no way to really connect the three. That's true. Uh, number four, Barbara Simmons, August sixth, nineteen eighty-two, stabbed one hundred times with an ice pick. Aha! Connection. There is a connection right there. And then his final victim was Denise. Oh, actually, not even victim. This is the other one that survived. Denise Williams, nineteen eighty-two, August twenty-first. Uh, she was stabbed fifteen times with a screwdriver, but still survived. Eesh. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's get into this uh, um, wonderful, wonderful example of a human, shall we? Yeah.
1: I don't mean to sound like an animal, but it only takes once if you
0: do it right. <laughs> <laughs> he, so he's, he's, he's incompetent and and a crybaby. Well, I can't. I can't use I'm not going to throw my military stuff in here. Oh, I yeah, want let's... people to be snatching up my secret. So Stefani was born September 8, 1944. As one of 10 kids who lived in a small plot of land outside Austin, Minnesota. Not long after he was born, his parents divorced. His mother remarried when he was three. To a man who was just as highly religious as she was. Okay. In addition to the constant drilling of doctrines of sin, confession, and absolution into the children's heads and the chins. The children's. His new stepfather was also abusive.
1: Oh, for God's sakes.
0: At times, he and his siblings were beaten and, if they ever made their stepfather mad enough, would occasionally be thrown downstairs as punishment. Oh, what a man of God. Yeah, real man of God. Real religious. Mm-hmm. Now, Stefani was finally able to escape his stepfather's grasp after graduating high school and moving to St. Paul. There, he would pick up a variety of part-time jobs before eventually going to work for the Malberg Manufacturing Company in the 1970s. Okay. He met and married Beverly Leiter and had a daughter with her. The marriage was short-lived, and soon after they were married, they were divorced, and Stefani would not be a part of his daughter's life, thankfully. So, I'm
1: talking about just.
0: God, it makes me sick. How many
1: of these people whose lives were ruined by some asshole that they were raised by, beating them and throwing them around, they knew no other way, all they are is full of hate and rage, and then mm-hmm. they go out and they start just killing people yeah. because they just don't know how to deal with their emotions and stuff. <laughs>
0: A lot. It's not, ridiculous, man. Not as many as... as, as Thankfully, there, there's in society, there's way more people who I are mean, I ain't who, trying to sound all normal. sad sack. And low, low. Right. But you know what I mean. Oh, it's, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's, they all sound... I it, mean, because... All these stories have a similar kind of start to them, you know?
0: E- even though there's not... You know, the proportion of normal people to, say, serial killer people is low. Yeah. Even one... I mean, look at, like, you know, at your Bundy's or your... Um, John Wayne Gacy's, I mean, 33, 30 people. I mean, that's 33 lives snuffed out, not counting whatever kids they might have. Just because they're all fucked up. Just because they're all fucked up, right. Mm -hmm. During the next three years, Stefani would be arrested for assault, find a new job, begin a relationship with a woman from Syria, and then lose his new relationship when she returned to Syria to accept an arranged marriage. Oh, man. (laughs) So he was just uh, losing all around. Yeah. It was shortly after his second relationship fell on New Year's Eve, 1980, that Stefani began his killing. That night, 20-year-old Karen Potak had traveled to St. Paul from Wisconsin to meet her sisters for a night of dancing and drinking. At about 1 a.m., she left the club after getting into an argument with one of them and found herself wandering the streets of St. Paul in a state of drunkenness. Stefani had been driving out that night as he had no family or friends to celebrate the New Year with. No surprise there. So no wife,
1: no friends, full of hate. Full of hate. Just lonely. Yep. Just
0: uh, full of full of anger. Need to get Absolute
1: out mm-hmm. perfect recipe for a psycho.
0: It was in an alley that Stefanie came upon Potek. She had left her jacket at the club and was shivering in the January air. He offered her a ride in his warm car and drove off to a place he knew quite quite well. Pulling up to the Malberg Manufacturing Plant. Stefani got out of the car, went to his trunk, and pulled out a tire iron. He then told Karen to get out of the car, which she refused. Stefani struck her with the tire iron and pulled her from the car onto the pavement where he struck her over a dozen more times. He got back into the car and left, not knowing whether or not, in fact, she was dead. At 3 a.m., while driving home, his conscience got the better of him. (laughs) Shit and he pulled over and called 911.
1: Yes, please, this is an emergency. Please send a squad to Pierce Butler Road, uh, Malmberg Manufacturing Company, Machine Shop. Please, there's an ambulance, too. There's a girl hurt there. Can you tell me what happened to her? Just hurry. A, she's laid on the ground in the back by the, by the railroad tracks, by the engine. Hurry. What, what's the address? I don't know. Who are you? I don't know. I
0: don't know. So yeah, so that's... That's cool, though. Obviously, you see, that's where he gets the uh, moniker of the uh, weepy-voiced killer. Yeah. Yeah. So the cops and ambulance arrived at the scene to find Potek in the snow by a railway and barely alive. Crime scene contained no clues, and Potek had no memories of the attack due to severe brain trauma. All the police had to review was the audio tape of a weepy-voiced caller And with no physical evidence, no ability to run DNA, even if someone was up behind back in that day, no witnesses, the case went cold. Then on June 3rd, 1981, Stefani was eating in a diner when 19-year-old Kimberly Compton caught his eye. Sorry, 18-year-old. 18-year-old. Compton had just arrived in St. Paul from Wisconsin, again, Wisconsin, on a Greyhound bus. She had just graduated high school and decided to move to St. Paul to try and make it a go- at the next phase of her life. After getting off the bus, she decided to head into a diner for some food. There, she caught the eye of Stefani, who was also there eating dinner. Stefani struck up a conversation with her and offered to take her around town to get to know the area, seeing that she was new.
1: Mistake.
0: While driving around, he suggested that they drive down to a river for a picnic, and Kimberly agreed, just happy to have made a new friend. Uh, Same night? Same night. They just ate. I know. she's not thinking obviously yeah picnic later stefani would recall that he never intended to hurt compton but at some point during the drive he entered a dissociative state and suddenly a voice entered his head saying to kill her Uh oh. so he did stefani drove out to a secluded area near the river and parked the car he and compton got out to walk around and take a look and as compton walked down to the riverside stefani went to the trunk of his car took out an ice pick and followed her Two sat down on the grass near the river's edge in silence, taking in the sounds of the rushing water. Then, without saying a word, Stefani pulled the ice pick out and began stabbing Compton over and over. He would stab her 61 times, yet she wasn't dead.
1: Good Lord have
0: mercy. Stefani then removed the shoelace from one of her shoes and strangled her with it. Satisfied she was dead, he stood up and looked down at what he had just done. He pushed <sighs> Compton's body up the bank away from the river hoping it would make it harder to spot then on his way back to the car he turned and threw the ice pick as hard as he could towards the river
1: something tells me it didn't make it all the way into the river or well, did
0: it? it did it was never found
1: oh never found it uh-huh.
0: driving home reality began to sink in at what he had done again and he once again called 911 and confessed
1: oh yeah I just somebody with a nice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. You know? Hello, are you there? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, the, the,
0: the crime itself
1: is not fun. the crime it's is not left. But this guy, this piece is, of shit, is is, is he's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Police were able to track the phone call to a payphone near the diner, but found no one or no clues left behind. Now, Compton's body would eventually be found, but without any ID, because her bags were still at the bus stop. Oh, Lord. Now, during the autopsy, a locker key was found, and the police were able to retrieve the bag and identify her. The cops were at a loss, as there weren't many clues at the scene, and they believed the victim had been stabbed with a weapon they assumed was a screwdriver, because they never found the ice pick. Mm. Now, since the uh, stabbing and strangulation didn't match his motive with Potak, there was nothing to connect the two attacks. Yeah. They were able to track Compton's last movements after making a connection to the diner and her stomach contents. Patrons at the diner were able to recall that night as well as a stranger getting up to talk to her but unable to recall much more unfortunately. That's some police work. Yeah. They They remember
1: what she had to eat and they could find it in her stomach and track it to the Mm. diners. Yeah. Man that's something.
0: Yeah. Not bad for 1980s. No not, not bad at all. No for no DNA. Yeah. Two days later shocked that he hadn't been arrested he called the police again and again confessed to the murder.
1: Don't talk just listen. I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Don't know why I had this tavern. I am so upset about it. I keep getting drunk every day. I can't believe it. I like a big dream. Oh, just... I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. I'd rather kill myself to get locked up. I'll try not to kill anybody else.
0: So. So, the cops released the phone call to the media, hoping the voice would sound familiar to someone and help crack the case. Yeah. You know, maybe the friend at work or down the street who, who comes up and says, Hi, how you doing? Can I help you with something? Because, you know, exactly. he's got a very weepy, very unique voice. They got a ton of tips in, but none of them went anywhere. Compton's case was further complicated when another man, Alan Lopez, who, in the middle of a standoff with police, claimed to have killed Compton. Hmm. Lopez was sent to a mental facility, and while there, he committed suicide. Eventually, he was cleared when it was found that while they were able to link the attack on Potak with the murder of Compton, Lopez was Lopez was in jail on the night of the Potak attack. So he had an alibi. Yeah, and he was removed as a suspect. Good. But following this lead took up eight months of their investigation. Yipe! And again, the case went cold.
1: Oh, man. After eight months? I... <laughs> I yeah. imagine so. Yeah. Especially
0: on, on finding final eventually that it was it was a bad lead. Yipe. But Stefani's attacks did not grow cold, and on July 21st, 1982, Carol Kellogg drove over to her best friend's house, Kathleen Greening, in Roseville. She and Greening were supposed to leave on vacation that day, and when she received no response to a knock on the door, she let herself in. She found Greening's body face up in the bathtub with her knees bent towards the front of the tub. Uh-oh. Now, because of the stark difference in the deaths between Greening and the last two victims, yep. uh, it was ruled an accident. Oh boy! And it wasn't. Well, I could see how it—it's it, it, just drowning. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't until years later, when in jail, that he would confess to drowning Greening in her own tub. Two weeks later, on August 6, nineteen eighty-two, police received yet another phone call from. Stephanie.
1: Player emergency. Please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry. I killed that girl. I stand there 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over. Oh, my God. I don't know what's about to be. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself. I'm sick. Where are I'm, you? I'm just going to. If somebody dies with a little kid on it, it's me. I killed both of them. I'm sorry. I killed both I would literally beat the tar out of that guy. I mean, all... just, just... That, that voice is so <sighs> grating.
0: Now, the day after that call, police found the body of Barbara Simmons, a 40-year-old nurse from Minneapolis. She was found caught up in some growth along the Mississippi River, where Stefani had tried to dispose of the body. And this was how long? Hm? Now, what was the time
1: frame here? Cause... This
0: was two weeks after he drowned Greening. Okay. And this was the, the they found the body the day after the phone call. Oh, jeez.
1: But I mean, how much time left between you know the time he stabbed that chick by the by the river and they found her body? Did it did it say? Oh, it didn't say no from oh, okay. the time from the time, okay. time that yeah. I just uh, was wondering.
0: I I think it was I think it was like the next day or day after that from when he stabbed her to when they found her. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, an autopsy found that she had been stabbed over one hundred times. Ooh,
1: good God!
0: Now Stefani had met Simmons the night before. Oh, so it was the night before that that she was killed. Oh boy. Uh, at a at a place called the Hexagon Bar. The two began dancing and talking all night. Upon interviewing the staff and patrons from that night, the police learned that towards the end of the night, Simmons went up to a waitress to order a drink and said to her, quote, I hope this man is nice. He's giving me a ride home, end quote. Uh-oh. Because of that statement, the waitress made sure to get a good look at the man Simmons was dancing with. She and other staff members saw Simmons leave the bar with Stefani. The waitress was able to pick out Stefani from a series of mugshots at the police shoulder. Police found that Stefani had a history of mental illness and that he used to work at the manufacturing shop that Potak was found at. Connection. The police began staking him out and tailing him on August 20th, 1982, hoping he would slip up and give them enough evidence to prove he was the killer. The next day on August 21st, Stefani went out for a drive with the cops following close behind Unfortunately, at some point, the police lost sight of him. Great. Stefani drove to the either that
1: or he was uh, even though he was obviously insane, right? Uh, he might have been intelligent, even well, though he was weepy and you know he's all messed up. Of course, right? He might have some kind of uh, intelligence. You know, a lot of times these evil bastards have uh, next level IQs and they're pretty smart.
0: You know? Some of them do. Some are actually are dullards and just get really lucky and they'll yeah. get caught. Um, it's unknown whether or not he knew he, he was being followed by the police. Ah. It could have just been a coincidence. Um, he drove up to the red light district in Indianapolis to pick up another victim. There he picked up 19 year old Denise Williams. Williams offered to have sex with Stefani for a hundred, but he only had 40 on him. He offered to pay her the other 60 back at his apartment. And she agreed. <laughs> Discount. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I'll pay you Tuesday. That's right. For some pussy today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh shit.
0: Then he went back to. His, oh, they went back to his apartment and did the deed, and he paid the remaining amounts. However, on the way back, Williams began to get suspicious when Stefani drove through a dark, secluded area rather than heading back to the Minneapolis red light district.
1: I've never heard of a whore that took a down payment.
0: Yeah, seriously, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. I can't help it. Having been on the street since she was 13, Williams knew that he wasn't taking her back to where he said he was. Fearing what might happen, she began stealthily looking around the car for anything to use as a weapon and found a glass bottle. Once the car came to a stop on a dark, quiet road, Williams knew she was in trouble. Before she could bring out the bottle to attack him, Stefani pulled out a screwdriver and stabbed Williams right in the stomach. She then brought the bottle down over his head, slashing his cheek in the process. Good. The blood from his cheek began pouring everywhere, including into Williams' eyes, blurring her vision. But despite that, he continued to stab her in the stomach with the screwdriver, and she continued to stab at him with the broken bottle. Damn. Yeah, eventually she was able to get the reach the car door, get it open, and they both spilled out onto the ground. Thankfully, Stefani hadn't stopped in an abandoned area this time, but rather on a street with houses on it. Oh, how smart! Williams' screams brought people out of the houses, which caused Stefani to flee.
1: I retract my statement
0: about uh, smart and <laughs> being smart. Yeah, <laughs> let me go on.
1: Let me go on a house, you know, a street full, full of, of houses, and start trying to kill somebody in
0: broad daylight. Right. Well, I think it was night or it was night. Yeah, but Doesn't still, matter. either still, way, yeah, a street full of houses, yeah. Uh, one of the homeowners called the cops an ambulance, and William survived the attack despite being stabbed 15 times all over her head and chest area. I'm glad she lived. Yeah. Stefani fled back to his house, and pl- police then received yet another call. This time, it wasn't Stefani calling about the attack, he was calling for assistance with his injuries. Oh, Lord.
1: an ambulance. Where? 1505, Westminster. 1505. Yeah. Westminster, what's the problem? I'm all cut up. I got beat
0: up. What's your apartment number?
1: 208, I'm bleeding.
0: 208, where are you bleeding from?
1: From my arm, my
0: face, my head. Now while he was being treated for his injuries and had taken a statement from Williams, the cops realized they had their man. Yep. It took a- Because I'm sure
1: the victim told the cops, hey, I was stabbing him in the face with this and that and the other. Yep. So they got mm-hmm. him. All then, right.
0: Yeah. And to confirm this, they showed Williams a series of mugshots, and she identified Stefani as the attacker. Nice. At his trial, Stefani was only charged with the attacks on Denise Williams and Barbara Simmons. Police didn't have sufficient evidence to charge him with the other crimes. In fact, they hadn't even suspected him of Kathleen Greening's death because as we mentioned, it was yep. totally different. Exactly. Um, and he had made a phone call afterward on that one. Mm-hmm. Also. During Stefani's trial in the Simmons murder case, Stefani's ex-wife, sister, and a woman who lived with him testified that they believed the hysterical caller revealing the attacks was, in fact, Stefani.
1: Yeah.
0: These observations alone were not enough to identify Stefani as the weepy voice killer, since the hysterical crying distorted the voice. Stefani was, But Stefani was convicted of Simmons murder and of the attempted murder of Williams, and was sentenced to 40 years. Good. However, while in prison, he was diagnosed with skin cancer. Good. And so he confessed to his other crimes, including green. He did so because he claimed he wanted the victims, the families of his victims, to have closure. He died from cancer while in prison in 1998. Good. And I hope it hurt. I hope it
1: did too. I hope it was nice and, and slow. very painful. And painful. Yeah. I and hope he was, it
0: got to his bones.
1: And he was and crying the whole it time.
0: My skin hurts. My butt hurts. Hurt. Exactly. It was like shut the fuck. Up. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that is the some, never heard of that guy. Somewhat man. hilarious, somewhat sad, somewhat pathetic uh tale of the weepy voice killer Paul yeah. Michael Stefani. He,
1: he's a ridiculous character to say. Oh, the that's least. But to say said with those was... sound bites were awesome though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean and, and that's I mean that that kind of goes hand in hand with with this tale when you hear it on, on other podcasts or shows whatever. They always play the calls because it's it's ingrained in the story. And like yeah, absolutely, It's one of the few you know uh stereo killer stories where like you you kind of have to hear the voice to get the full effect of what you're yeah, talking about exactly Cause just saying we be voice killer is not enough because uh, i was like weepy voice killer I yeah like, i
1: can't wait to hear what this clown sounds like
0: <laughs> well now we know now we know you know what i also know what's that you know where they can find extra content and all of our good stuff Nah. very clever my friend all right, folks,
1: if you'd like to support the show, we'd love to have your support. If you like, go to www.patreon.com forward slash state of fear. There you'll have early access to episodes, episode, all the ad-free stuff. We've got commentary tracks. We've got reviews we've done on some of the ghost shows and things like that. Lots There's of all bloopers. There's kinds material. There's plenty of bloopers, trust me. So uh, if you have the chance, it's one level. It's uh, the Road Warrior, and it's 7 bucks a month. Yes, that's right. It's $7. And we'd love to have this part. I ain't gonna lie.
0: Absolutely, I mean. <laughs> we would actually love it because, because you know what? I don't think I've said this before. Maybe I have. You know, I listen to the podcast, and yeah, and you know, at the end of the podcast, they start going through their staff. They go through the researchers. They go through the editors. They go through the marketing team.
1: So, if you'll uh, allow me in just a moment, I'll go through the staff here at uh, State of Fear.
0: Okay, we have Chris <laughs> and we have James. So, thank but, you for but, listening to State of Fear. Research by. Chris and James. That's editing right. by Chris and James. Marketing by Chris and James.
1: Now I will give I will give Chris ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the credit for the editing. He does it pretty much all. And you do my point zero zero one is usually suggestion or
0: quality control. Quality control is very important though, you know, and you so, do all the social media. So either yeah. way, it it it's breaks a even. Good team effort, right? Yeah. But the point is, we don't have a staff. We, we don't do. Have a staff. Everything. So any support you can give us, even a dollar, is yep. very, very appreciated.
1: And, and we do have a YouTube channel as well. Yes. Uh, like I said, we are on all the social media platforms. We welcome your comments. We do. Uh, you know. Good, bad, construct- or otherwise. Constructive criticism or, you know. Or a, a smart-ass remark. Constructive or good comments or whatever. If you want to make a smart-ass comment, you go right ahead. Go right ahead. Don't but care. guess what? You're going to get it back. That's the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. Chris and I are very... We, we believe in many things, but we are also very skeptical, and we don't just take everything at face value. These stories we do, we do with the purpose of just putting the information out there and letting you judge for yourselves. Right. Because that's what we do. Exactly. So enjoy. We, we love you guys. We sure appreciate the support. Please keep it coming. God bless y'all, and thank you. Truly. Truly. I really
0: mean that. And with that heartfelt sentiment, uh, let's head on to our next state, shall we? Amen. We're headed to the
1: great state of Missouri. Missouri. Mizzou. Momo. I like
0: Momo.